Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Legend Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. Mr. Mark Rattledge, and tonight our favorite show is Ms. Marvel, brought to you by the good people at Marvel Studios. It is an American television miniseries created by Bishkek A.K. Ali for the streaming service Disney Plus, based on the Marvel comics featuring the character Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. It is the seventh television series in the Marvel Cinematic Universe produced by Marvel Studios, sharing continuity with the films of the franchise. It follows Kamala Khan, a 16-year-old fangirl of the Avengers who struggles to fit in until she gains her own powers. And she fits in just fine. Ali serves as head writer with Adil and Bilal uh, leading the directing team. And joining me on the panel tonight is MCU Bleeding's Edge uh, host extraordinaire, the hardest working female podcaster in all the internets. Ladies and gentlemen... From Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where the fandom meets the corner of geek and chic. <laughs> How many times do I have to say it before? I mean, Robert's got it memorized. She doesn't get paid for this. Alexis Haina, how do you do, madam? I love you told me the hardest working woman in podcasting when you haven't had me on the show in like two weeks. <laughs> I don't need to. You're, you're like doing all of Jeff's shows. I actually haven't been on Jeff's show in a while because I was in freaking Texas for two weeks. What was the last uh, Ms. Marvel show you hosted? What episode? Uh, fourth one, I think. Oh, okay. And you did one through four and then the, the last two you dropped off? Actually, I did one and four. He wanted me on for three. I had something else going on that night, so I volunteered to do four. Gotcha. And he's back and better than ever. He is the best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. He is your Toronto Maple Leaf, your Connect- your Calgary no, no, Flame. No, no. <laughs> no wait, <laughs> your your Ottawa Senator, ladies and gentlemen from our what? Your Toronto Blue Jay, ladies and gentlemen from our Canadian office, Mr. Andrew Graham. How do you do, sir? I do very well, Mark. And for even associating me with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I am going to have to insist that we start with a ten-minute conversation around the province of the Bangle in this show. Um. Yes. Please give us give give us the uh, situation with the bangle in vascular detail. And on that note, I'm going to get a drink. That's <laughs> right. We're not going there. We're not. That said, the whole joke around how the, the whole Falcon and Winter Soldier, provenance of the shield, ownership of the shield thing, is a joke that we will beat to death. <laughs> this is the right. Did you say beating a horse to death? Oh, did God. you say beating? Did you say beating a horse to death, Andrew Graham? Did you miss me, Alexis? Tell me you he's, missed me. It's like he's got the finger on the trigger at all times. It's just like, give me an excuse! Give me an excuse! Just to be clear, that wasn't what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Roberto Duran punch the horse. Thank you very much. Ooh, see, if I, there's... Preferred the, I always preferred the South Park bit where he's, where he's actually beating a horse. Like, over there, beating that dead horse! I love that gag. To our millions 
and millions of followers and viewers on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. If someone could send me in live uh, video footage of Roberto Duran punching that horse, I would greatly appreciate it. I will give you one shiny nickel. Speaking of one shiny nickel. That's what um, I get. Fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> love you, Alexis. Miss you. <laughs> Can't wait to record again. <sighs> Andrew Graham. Um, you and I were talking before the show started. None of us have read the big famous Ms. Marvel comic um, that was on like every feminist reading list and was like the number one best number one bestseller in every bookstore and all of that. It was, you know, it was a very prominently featured trade paperback uh, in its time. And no wonder that they decided to make a show out of it. But you have been interested, somewhat interested in this character and you were reading something related to Ms. Marvel. So uh, just give me uh, 50 words on that. What you been reading? Um, I actually don't even remember the exact title of it, but it's kind of more mm -hmm. of a kind of a juvenile shelf version of graphic novel of Miss Marvel. So it's got her involved in, um, in like, you know, with the Avengers. So she's kind of on the junior team. She's being trained by Tony Stark. She's hanging out with characters like Nova and, uh, and Miles Morales and things like that. And it very much kind of still centers on the whole idea that this is a mat matter of Kamala Khan kind of balancing her home life with her Avenger life and things like that. Um, we had a little bit of other exposure to Miss Marvel in our house. Um, mainly there's a series of kind of short animated series on Disney or short animated movies rather on Disney plus called Marvel rising. So mm -hmm. that one's kind of interesting because they have Miss Marvel as a part of that. Um, and then they have a lot of other characters. So again, Miles Morales, squirrel girl, uh, uh, Captain Marvel shows up, not Brie Larson, but the one real crossover they do have, is uh, Chloe Bennett actually reprising her role as Quake? Oh, really? From Angel uh, Agents of Shield. So, cool. is this the one that has Spider Gwen but calls her Ghost Spider? Yes, yes. I've only seen those ones in parts. I know my my daughter is a big fan, but um, I will say, kind of getting ahead of myself on this one, I'd say uh, this was a very fun experience for us because this is the first Marvel show that I was like, let's sit down and watch this with both of the kids all the way through, and they definitely dug it. My uh, my daughter's already changed her. Disney Plus profile picture to be Kamala. So, same thing over here. Um, I haven't watched any of the Disney Plus shows with my kids. Uh, this one we binged uh, almost all in one day. We well, um, episodes one through four were we were just one whole Saturday, and it was my son didn't really give a shit, but um, my daughter was really into it. And my wife, who is not a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, she likes a couple. She liked the one of the Thor movies because Chris Hemsworth is a sexy man, as we all know. Um, and I think she might have seen one or two others, but this is not her wheelhouse. This is not her thing. This is not, you know, um, British historical fiction. So this isn't Downton Abbey. Uh, but she sat and she watched this one and it resonated with her because she actually, she actually has a friend of the family who is Indian and um, two of them, as a matter of fact, I think two different, two different ladies. Uh, and so a lot of the show spoke to her personally and she doesn't care about the superhero genre, but she likes a well-told story in this you know, this was one that we could all kind of share and enjoy for a variety of reasons. Um, how is Annabelle liking the Ms. Marvel comic? Uh, she's liking it so so far. She's been kind of rotating be uh, between a bunch of different things. I think she remembered she kind of put it down for a while. And as soon as we were mm -hmm. finished, she uh, she remembered she had it. So uh, she actually was staying out with her uh, with her grandparents out in another part of the country called Kelowna. That, uh, and she uh, definitely made sure she took that with her. Alexis, you were telling me that you hadn't read the Ms. Marvel solo comic, but 
Um, were you at all familiar with the character? Did she pop up in anything else you were reading? Yeah. Uh, she has. I don't know what you're huffing about. I was just waiting for you to talk. I did not miss your Amazon Echo mark. I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't hear anything. Okay, so Ms. Marvel uh, has shown up in a couple other things I'm reading. Uh, she's also been a prominent figure in the Avengers video game that came out. Uh, she is an insanely popular character for uh, Comic-Con cosplays. I've seen a lot of her. Uh, cosplay is actually not too hard to pull off, I would say. And I was just really intrigued because there's been such a big thing with comic books lately that the writers have finally realized they need to spread out with their representation. And I think that Miss Marvel is a really great, very positive idea and character outside of what we have seen so, for so many years of just your standard white superheroes and that was one of the things i was very intrigued about the show when i saw that they actually had uh writers and directors from that area as well it's like they were going to make sure this was culturally appropriate and i like that i like them as marvel is a fun character she's insanely happy-go-lucky you know she's very bubbly and bouncy uh she is very faithful she's a you know wonderful role model for muslim girls uh very faithful to her religion and uh, her roots and just always found it very interesting. She definitely runs um, against the grain in traditional comic uh, characterizations, you know. And, I, and I'm alluding to the fact that for years and years and years and years, for the most part, female comic book characters were always drawn very buxom. Uh, they were appealing to young boys. And then, you know, lo these many years later, we have a... Um, and, and I'm actually curious to get your opinion on this. And then we'll transition to something else, Andrew. The big argument in our chat that we always get is don't take an old character and gender or race swap them or religion swap them. Create an all new character and see if, you know, throw it in the bed with Madonna and see if she'll sleep with it. You know, let 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 the let these characters live or die on their own merits. No one's no one is against representation. What we're against is changing legacy characters. And there's an argument to be made that eh, it's still a Miss Marvel, but it's not Captain Marvel. You know, they they essentially created a new character and cheekily got around the it's not really an old character by saying she's obsessed with Captain Marvel. And that's why she took on that moniker. There's a debate. I don't want to have it, but um, I, I did want to get your opinion on the idea of this, I think, is one of those situations where. They created a um, a new character that is representative of the of that area of the world of uh, of the Muslim religion and found a degree of success with it. I mean, I don't know how well her books her book sold in the grand scheme of things, but uh, you know they wouldn't have made a show out of her if she didn't have some degree of success. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of ways I look at this. I think relative to when we talk about the whole, because I'm even going to track this back to some of the conversations that happened around Captain Marvel and things like that. Um, you know, when you talk about that character and this, this realm of characters, like Miss Marvel has probably been the more popular one, both with being Carol Danvers and then moving into Kamala Khan. But even when you look about some of the, some of the hubbub around. I want to jump in there real quick. Which do you think was more popular? And I'm asking for a very specific sexy reason. 
bathing suit Miss Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, or jumpsuit Captain Marvel? I don't have a. You know why I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I know which one you're talking about. I mean, I think that's the old joke on why do they keep on finding reasons in DC to keep drawing Power Girl. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Power Girl. (laughs) She has huge tracts of land. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No worries. Like, I mean, okay, that one's actually kind of funny because the only exposure I'd really had to Miss Marvel prior to, you know, prior to any kind of primary media was the Mm. reference to her in the one episode of the 1993 X-Men series when they go into, like, Rogue's background and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that was the... Because, yeah, that's how how Rogue has super strength and can fly. Yeah. Yeah. Grabbed on to uh, Carol Danvers and did not let go. So nope. my wife, not knowing anything about comic books, she was like, "Is come on, is this Ms. Marvel character a real character? Like, like who you know who is she?" And I'm like, and I was like, "Well, there's only been 87 Captain Marvels throughout both Marvel and DC. Where would you like me to start?" And she was like, "I wouldn't," and walked out of the room. Okay, um, so that that's actually what I wanted to touch on first was talking mm-hmm. about you know some of the the um kind of the the white glove treatment that some characters get in, in terms of like. Mm-hmm. No, you can't have Captain Marvel or Marvel be Annette Benning. It's like Captain Marvel was started so, so Marvel could screw around with DC about the entire Captain Marvel trademark. Yep. That's where the start of this whole thing is. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, I mean the, the the Cold War basically between Brie Larson and Zachary uh oh my god, what's the dude's last name? Snyder? Uh, uh, Levi. Levi. Yeah, Levi, thank you. Yep. Anyway, um, so, I mean, that's kind of my first position and, and kind of just how precious we can get about this at one point. The other side of this is that I'm really starting to take a look at this from the point of view that I am a, you know, I am the, you know, the cisgender, straight, middle-class male. I have lots of stuff I can read. I have lots of characters that look like me. I have mm-hmm. no problem with there being other well-told stories about other people and, and those people being represented because, you know what, that matters a lot. It does. As silly as it sounds, I'm going to put this in perspective. So being Canadian, for as bad of the movie as it is, do you want to know where you get a really easy pop? In X-Men Origins Wolverine, when Stryker says to him, it's time to serve your country, son. And he turns around and he says, I'm Canadian. (laughs) Roof goes off. (laughs) The entire ceiling. We throw stuff at it as Markwell. You're not getting your Alpha Flight movie. So um, I, I Again, sometimes the only reference of, to that one is the 93 X-Men series for me. <laughs> so sometimes out of boredom, I'll go back and listen through my TikToks and especially some of the early ones when I first started clipping out parts of the show. And um, one of the things I said during Black History Month with Jason was <clears throat> it's and we were talking about black exploitation, and I think specifically this was the Pootie Tank show. So we were talking about modern black exploitation relative to what we're talking about here. I was like don't act as if making terrible movies with black people is this like sin. We make terrible white people movies all the time. There's just, you know, shit tons of, of movies out there that have all white casts that are just terrible, terribly written, not shot in focus, special effects that rival Velocipaster. And nobody cares. Nobody is just like, like, this is a sin to white people, but God forbid black people should have the same freedom to make bad movies. And suddenly everyone's offended. Our like, podcast no. is usually a sin to white people. Which one? I said our podcast is usually a sin to white people. That's usually the goal. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, there's nothing else I would transition into 
yet another topic of discussion relative to Ms. Marvel, and then we'll actually get into the show. It's a very nice show. You and I, Andrew, were talking earlier today about, you know, is it a good superhero show? Maybe not, but is it a nice show? It absolutely is. There's lovely things about this show that we're going to, you know, of course, gush about in a few minutes, but I don't know if it's a great superhero show, and there is a difference. But more to the point, Andrew and then Alexis, um, when thinking about where this fits in in the grand scheme of things in terms of the overall narrative focus of Phase 4, if you were to ask somebody, where do you think they're, like, if you, by the end of Phase 1, you knew they were heading towards the Avengers. By the end, midway, the end of Phase 2, you knew they were heading towards the Infinity, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Wherever they were going to get there, however they were going to get there, we didn't quite know it at the time, but we all knew, especially at the end of Age of Ultron, okay, we're, we're headed towards the Infinity Gauntlet. That's where this is all heading. You don't have that right now with Phase 4, Andrew. It all seems very schizophrenic. There's And, and they did say there's going to be multiple tracks. There's going to be a, um, a more domestic track, you know, stuff having to do with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Sharon Carter and all of that. The Hawkeye, you know, your your uh, street level starter track, and then there was going to be your cosmic track. But we're two years into this and several movies and a handful of shows, and I'm going, I have no idea what we're doing here. Maybe there's something with time travel. I don't know. 97 p- different people broke the time stream. So, <laughs> and more to the point, I have no idea where this show fits into anything other than it's a lead into the Ms. Marvel movie. Uh, to the Captain Marvel movie, um, the Marvels, the Marvels, the Marvels. Do, 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 Sorry, Robert's going to kill me for bringing in the Simpsons just for after saying that. Well, somebody's going to drop the reference. <laughs> Your thoughts on the schizophrenic nature of Phase Four, please. I think I'm okay. I'll position this first. I think everyone knows this. I'm probably one of the hardest MCU fanboys on this entire network. I have fought with everybody about something with the MCU stuff. I have you and me with, both, man. Yeah. You, 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 crazy Canadians, and you're you're, you're always starting fights. <laughs> yes, because we are a warlike people. Anyway, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, don't piss off the Canadians. They might come after you with hot cocoa and a hug. Do not make me bring out the angry worms and the song about burning down the White House. But anyway, <laughs> 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 okay. So on track now. Um, so I think. As a heart, as big of a, a fan of the MCU as I am, as big of a defender I am, I'm definitely, I think, in the same boat as everybody else. And I haven't even seen Thor yet to say that we are definitely, I think schizophrenic is a, a good way to say it. Because at this point, what's what's getting to me and what got to me about this show is that we seem to be incre- just putting in more and more factions. We now mm-hmm. have the um, the clandestines and we've got the the red daggers and that's on top of everything else in the phase four, including the black widows, the celestials, Val's group, the moving guys. Um, this motherfucker's got more factions than the WWE did in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Some of them actually sound like bad stable rejection. Like, really? <laughs> we don't have this. We don't have this focus here where, I think, again, we've got kind of on this one, it's hinting at more of a, sl- you know, we've got both damage control and we've got sword and yeah. we've got all these various tracks, which I think are not a bad way to go about it, but they're not quite connecting enough. I'm going to think I was thinking about this today, and I think probably one of the better examples that they've done 
was when they did Hawkeye. They actually mm-hmm. tied a bunch of those together really, really tightly where they set up the widows and things in Black Widow. And then they set up, obviously they pulled in um, Val's group and they pulled in the Daredevil crew and stuff like that. And so when you had one, you had Florence Pugh show up at the end of that one episode. Everyone went, holy shit. And everyone knew what that meant. And then when he said, that's the guy who's behind us all, that's the kingpin. Again, big pop there because everybody knew what was going on. And in Miss Marvel, they don't, they're still not really being able to thread these things together. Like there was one reference to on the chamber where they found the original bangle, um, where they had the 10 rings kind of symbol on it. It's blinking, you miss it. And then obviously, I didn't I think the see other, that. I totally missed that. Yeah, it's right at the start of, I want to say episode three or four, but when they're doing the excavation, they actually have like stuff blows away for a second. And it's really clearly the the Ten Rings symbol. So it's kind of connecting to that. But then they don't connect it to anything else. Like, they have... You know, the only other drop they really have in there is, you're a mutant. Everybody became moist, wet, and everyone instantly moist, wet, and on fire. Moist... Yeah, yeah, that guitar riff is iconic, okay? Even oh, Danny yeah. Elfman knew to include a piano version of that riff in the in the Doctor Strange I movie. I will tell yep. you, I without knowing, just sort of my my connection to the Force, um, that more people popped for you're, you have a mutant gene in you than when Patrick Stewart showed up in Doctor Strange. And I, think, oh, I believe that. And I and I would say that's probably only because we all saw the damn Super Bowl trailer, so it was spoiled for us anyway. Yeah. But anyway, like, I mean, again, and there's there's other opportunities here where, like, we now have both damage control and we have sword. And I think mm. in this world, you know, they're already setting up there's, an, there's more tension between enhanced superheroes, whatever you want to call them, and government entities after S.H.I.E.L.D. fell and everything else went wrong. But I think, again, it's like, why don't you just pick one of those and go with it to kind of become that kind of shitty version of shield going forward. And, and that's where your antagonism gets created. I think so more it's, so than it's that, definitely all over the place. More so than that, every movie, not, not every movie, almost every movie either dealt with an infinity stone or Thanos kind of shows up in the shadows so that there's these little breadcrumbs leading to infinity, infinity war. Right. Um, you don't get that with phase four. You get, yeah. like, Loki brings you to Kang, but so what? There's been no follow-up. Doctor Strange went nowhere. Um, <clears throat> Shang-Chi maybe points at the... the... We have never gotten an answer yet. I, I have no what idea. What the deal was with the... Because, yeah, they, we've never gotten... Actually, Mark, if I may. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. This is actually one of the biggest problems I'm having with Marvel, because I brought this up when we reviewed Multiverse of Madness. One of the great things I loved about Marvel for the first three phases was that you didn't have to read the books or watch the shows or even see every single movie to know what was going on. I loved my my parents are very casual Marvel fans. My mother went in to see Endgame without seeing Winter Soldier. I don't know why. I don't know why you would pass up that because Winter Soldier, I think, is one of the best. But I'm not here to psychoanalyze my mother. (laughs) And... 
that's one of the big things I always loved about that because I felt that so many other groups, especially DC early on, got way too, we're building this for the fans so we don't have to explain this so the fans know what's going on. Right, which is a critical failure. Exactly. But when we reviewed Multiverse of Madness, I pointed out this was a failing of the movie that so much of it was tied into WandaVision. And right. I know there's a lot of people who would go to see this who didn't see WandaVision or just don't have Disney Plus or whatever, and they're going to be confused as hell. And this is a serious problem Marvel's falling into with Ms. Marvel now leading into the Marvels and what we see with the shows leading into the potential movies. They are making it so intertwined that people are going to have to watch every single part of the Mar of the MCU to know what's going on. And this is a serious <clears throat> issue. Well, I was going to say, what what I what they're doing more of a structural pattern than a narrative pattern, which bothers me as somebody who values storytelling almost everything else. So, WandaVision leads to Doctor Strange. Hawkeye leads. Who the fuck knows? Um, Loki leads to Quantum Mania, I guess. Uh, yeah, Quantum Mania. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Marvel leads to the Marvels. From a marketing standpoint, from a from you know a trying to uh, synergize Disney Plus with your theatrical releases, that all tracks. That's brilliant. That's that's a boardroom meeting, you know, where you go, yes, all of those things. But without the narrative, Andrew, the narrative is the thing. Without the narrative cohesion, all you have is marketing gimmick, and that's it. And I think that's yep. where my frustration with the show is. Well, Ms. Marvel in and of itself, and we should start talking about it now, 20 minute, 25 minutes in, um, is a very nice show. I really don't have a tremendous amount of complaints. That's why I didn't want to, I didn't mind taking up this much time with some of this other stuff. It's a lovely little show, but I'm having a hard time connecting it to the greater Marvel universe other than it happens to exist in that same world. But that's kind of how I felt about Daredevil. You know, where, yes, Daredevil takes place in the world after the Battle of New York, but so the fuck what? They hint at it, yeah, they hint at it a couple of times, mostly talking yeah. about some of the real estate that was destroyed right. in the battle. And right. those were, I thought those were good breadcrumbs. They were, drive. but I mean, like, ultimately, you didn't need to know about the Avengers movies to watch Daredevil. Daredevil acted yeah. in, more or less independently. You this is more following that Avengers pattern. movie and that stuff got wrecked. Right. And this is following that pattern, and I don't think that's great on Marvel's part because the thing that was successful about Marvel was you you got drawn into this greater narrative and everything was a chapter in that narrative. This almost feels like an anthology that's not, you know, it's a collection of different writers telling different stories and nothing really connects except they all exist in that same world. I'm going to go back to you, Alexis, and just kind of, what do you want to talk about first with with this show? What um, what were some of the standout things for you with Ms. Marvel? One of the standouts for me was the new approach taken with this, because Ms. Marvel is a much younger superhero. They were clearly aiming for a much younger dem demographic. The mm -hmm. first episode especially, we get a lot of fun, very Edgar Wright-inspired graphics. You get a lot of the idea, uh, Kamala's a big daydreamer. We see a lot of, looks like uh, chalk drawings and stuff in her reality, which I thought was a really nice touch. Give it a ver Gives the show a unique flavor, although I'm a little disappointed that they kind of dropped that 
for so many following episodes until the final one. And I'm not saying we should have seen chalk drawings while we see people running for the trains in Pakistan. <laughs> you know, let's all have some taste here. But at the same time, I can't help but feel that they had this idea, but they were too afraid to really experiment with it and push it as far as they could have. Oh, I think geez. we could have seen a lot Marvel being more. afraid to experiment things. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, how many Reddit boards are there devoted to that? Um, how about you, Andrew? What were some of the standout things for you when you and your family watched it? I think uh, maybe I'll pick up on, on something that Alexa said here, and I'm going to come in with a hot take. Miss Marvel gets teenagers better than Spider-Man does. Like Explain. in terms of music, in terms of, of kind of the way they set them up in a lot of ways, I'm getting a lot of kind of the surrounding things are around you it. because specifically sort of throwing eggs at the second Spider-Man movie? Not so much. I actually really, I'll put it to you this way. I like all the Spider-Man movies until they decide to like play the Ramones or something at the end of the movie. And it's like, none of these characters would listen to that. Because the other, the other gold hey, standard were, that I... Hey, what if they were cool? Yeah. <laughs> no, fair enough. But again, I go to like the other kind of gold standard of teenagers and superhero movies, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And like that soundtrack works for that character. I'm mm -hmm. still not quite sure how the soundtracks and some of the setups around the Spider-Man movies work for those characters being modern teenagers. And there's like little touches, like Tom Holland's accent apparently is exactly what a kid from Queens would have these days. So there, there's little touches, but there's also like things that conflict a little bit with it. Going on to what I think this show really nailed was the characters, the characters and the casting. I can't remember if it's Sarah Finn Haley or Sarah Haley Finn, whomever the casting director is for the MCU but she is their best asset and she is knocked out of the park again. Like Amon Valani, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we've brought this up every time we review something in the MCU. Yeah. They have yet to make a bad casting decision, no matter what movie we're saying, we're talking about it. And even if we agree, it's a movie that we're not crazy about. We have never argued against uh, the actor's performances. Yeah. Like, and, uh, and this one's a really good example of that. Cause Amon Valani has no acting credits. She, I think, I can't remember who, I think Marcus, when you were doing the MMA uh, podcast, when you were talking about somebody who didn't even have a Wikipedia page and was a cab driver, she is that equivalent. <laughs> she had nothing. And mm -hmm. she is an incredibly kind of engaging, charming actress who pulls off this character so well. And, and that goes across the entire cast. Uh, Bruno, um, all of the family members and things like that play it really well. And I think we've, and maybe I'll segue into this talking about the family, but um you know, like in in my city, and like Calgary is is a very diverse place. We're we're onto our second straight Muslim mayor in a row, and we're one of the most conservative provinces in Canada. Um, I've got Iraqi neighbors. I've worked with a bunch of Muslims through through my various jobs and things like that. I've got some I've got some Muslim friends. I'm I'm not an expert anyway on the culture, but like there have been pieces put out on CBC from people, not only Muslims but people who are specifically uh, South Asians, so like Pakistani, Indian, and things like that, where it's like they get all the little touches of this family and, and this culture. So right. Mm -hmm. Like talking about like, even when you go to mosque and, and when they go to the, um, the Eid scene where you have all the different kind of groups that they go through and like the Illuminantes, I kind of got a laugh out of and that was things cute. along that line was, was just, they said it was so authentic and it was so, and not even in big ways, but it was just so authentic to what their experiences were. And I think it, again, it's a well-told story when we talk about, the nature of the family and the nature of Kamala's relationships with her friends and things like that. 
and and it's just it's a great group of characters who I definitely want to see again. Maybe this will segue into. Oh, go ahead. Well, let's just say the things I liked about the show. Uh, I think they were very careful with making sure Kamala was somebody who was not only relatable, not only identifiable, but somebody that you could, in fact, root for. One of the things I picked up over the years of doing television reviews and some movie reviews is that you may have a lead, you may have somebody that the intention is for you to cheer and you want to see succeed, <clears throat> but they write them so poorly, they write them as such twatty people that... I, I can't root. I don't want them to succeed. I, I want them to fail. I'm actively rooting against them. And what they do with come with the Kamala Khan character here is they give her a lot of earnest. You know, that's going to be the word I was going to use. She is so earnest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of earnest with her. She, you know, even in the you know, but mother, I you know, I want to go to the con. You know, t- I want to go to the ball, mother, and. The the mom does not necessarily. She's a foil, but not a villain. You know, I, I who who amongst us has not worried about their children, and you know, and maybe been overprotective, or you know, has seen their child their child make not great decisions, and said, okay, because you're not great decisions, you know, we need to do this. I, one of my favorite scenes in this. It's a little thing, but one of my favorite scenes is. They give in to her and they're like, we will, we will let you go to the con, but your father has to go with you. And by golly, he's dressed up as as Muslim Hulk. <laughs> Credit, and, you know what? Credit for our first time face painter, actually. That was a very well put together costume and the was, face paint looked great. You know, take what a, what a great little scene of a parent taking a big swing and whiffing the ball and not knowing that they did. Thinking like that's the that's that, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Just swing and hit the umpire? No, I. <laughs> that was also relatable, I think, for a lot mm-hmm. of us who grew up with parents who tried to be understanding, because you can see it breaks Kamala's heart when she tells mm-hmm. her father no because it he's breaks, so upset. It his heart she, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, She's like, I don't want to hurt you, Dad, but I don't want this, and it's very hard for her to get across to him because it's he yeah he took this giant swing right and he doesn't understand and, and why when, she's not up for it and when you don't have the context as the parent and you don't know what it was you did wrong you just think like but but i'm i did all this this is meaningful this is i love you and you're rejecting me and how that makes you feel as a parent it's like you know <laughs> but but from her point of view it's like no i like arnold schwarzenegger not sylvester stallone and you got this all wrong you know that, that actually spoke that seed spoke to me a lot there was actually i could actually relate to an exact moment my mm-hmm. mom made me a halloween costume one year but i wanted it specifically like a character i'm not going to go into details about what character i wanted but i wanted it specifically like character but my mother god bless her decided to go with her own thing and when she presented it to me and showed me what she had done i was so upset and i felt so bad and she was furious with me for being so upset because she had worked so hard on this and i'm like I know you worked hard on this and I know you were very proud of it, but it's not what I want. It's the Eddie Murphy bit about hamburgers. Like mama, I want to go to McDonald's McDonald's. I can make you hamburgers at home. They're better than McDonald's better than McDonald's, you know? And, and so he talks about how the mom would make these big ass burgers, you know, meat patties, Andrew meat patties, size of a (laughs) child's head on a big Kaiser bun, bigger than your face. You know, and and Eddie Murphy's making the joke about like the grease slides down your arm and everything. It's like this is not better than McDonald's. And like, how could you be such an ungrateful child? 
So yeah, that was all like relatable. And that's that's I, I'm making a big deal about it because that's something that comes up throughout the series that this character remains earnest, relatable, and likable, which you would think would be a common enough practice that I wouldn't have to make a big deal about it and say, you know, good job, because people are struggling with this in other series. Like, it's hard to find likable lead characters in a lot of series now. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned it. Oh, for sure. And I think, like I said, I mean, I think that kind of is what works so well for this series. I think if if we're going to bring up another scene, I think the last episode, that scene between Kamala and her dad on the rooftop, Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so sweet. It's so mm-hmm. endearing. I have the same you... name as Carol freaking Danvers. It's <laughs> a great <laughs> delivery. <laughs> um, and there's there's not a bad cast member. That's the other thing I want to talk about. Sometimes, like, yeah. you get, like, a supporting cast member. So, like, Robert's not a huge fan of take a drink, everybody. No, don't take a drink. Everyone shut up and leave Robert alone. I'm going to stand in front of him and protect him. Um, but Robert, Robert's not a fan of the Darcy character from the Thor movies. Is you he know, a fan of anything from the Thor movies? Shut up. Leave my friend alone. <laughs> I can make fun of him. I want more shows with him. Don't you bully him. He's a sweet boy. Um, <laughs> anyway. He's, Robert knows I love him. Come on. Th- there's uh, like the Darcy character. He's not a huge fan of. And, that, that's a, and I say that because that's an example of. Sometimes they write these friend characters, these you know, these uh, secondary lead characters, as they're, they're they're too annoying, they're too coy, they're too cute, they're too precious, and it's frustrating because no one it. acts that way. I know you've brought this one up, but I get a complete kick out of this character, MJ from the Spider-Man movies. Because mm-hmm. I think I, you've heard how, how you've said you're uh, Mark that you're not such a big fan of hers. I, personally, I love that character. I think it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And that that performance is so well tuned because I think she's on that right balancing edge of of unlikable. I, 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 I don't think I said I didn't like the character. I said that 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 character was not Mary Jane, and that oh, them you know, them trying to shoehorn the Mary Jane character into into Daria, uh, I didn't love. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm okay with Daria. I just wish they had leaned into that and not be like oh, it's Mary Jane. No, it isn't Tiger. No, it isn't. Um, I do want to go into what you were saying, though, Mark, because you mentioned about the mother mm-hmm. not being the villain. You're right. But that actually is one of the faults of this or one of the problems I would say with the show is that mm-hmm. we don't really have a villain. Yeah. Well, that's where and, I was going next. Yeah, because yep. we think that the leader of the clandestines is going to be the bad guy. And for like two episodes, she is mm-hmm. the scene where she leaves her son behind in that prison was gut wrenching. But then she sacrifices herself to horrible CGI effects. <laughs> and then we have this whole buildup with the Department of uh, Damage Control, who we've seen in a couple. How many How many episodes did she appear in? Like maybe two before the final? Two and um, only a reference to Damage Control. I must I talk think, about Spider-Man. Yeah. And I'm all of a sudden she's like, it's like, no, I don't care that my supervisors say pull back. We're going in. It's like, so now she's the villain? Yeah, that's one of my major problems with the show. We're done praising it. Um, is narratively, it's unfocused. It's all over the place. There's no clear. You don't get a clear sense of who the villain is, and then what what villains are presented don't have clear motivations. My biggest gripe is with the damage control people. For her to have. Let me tell you something. I've worked for government institutions for most of my professional career. Nobody's doing that. Nobody nobody is taking it upon themselves 
with righteous fury and indignation to carry the good fight in the name of you know in the name of all that's good and holy yeah your your boss says stand down leave the kid alone come home it's like yeah I, I love it. it's like uh you're in front of a school your targets are right. children the press have picked you up there is no way we're gonna walk out of this looking good right and here's the thing every other government employee by the by before you got to the end of that sentence was in their car and going home and if you want to tell the story of an obsessed uh government worker who must take the superhero down because she doesn't believe superheroes are good for humanity that's fine that i mean it's a start tale as old as time but tell me that story you can't just do that and it have no setup and this doesn't it was almost like they dealt with the clandestines and forgot there was another episode of television yeah, and then it was like, yeah. Look, we have we ran out of shit to do um well get the get get the uh, warden from orange is the new black and make her nuts for no good reason andrew i don't understand was that the actress who played that? Was that I, her? I'm going to double check it, but I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm on the exact same page as you where I think we had a lot of great characters and, and there were some great episodes in this. Like the, the second to last episode where they talk about like Aaliyah or um, not Aaliyah. Aisha. Aisha's, thank you. Aisha's whole backstory. Like that I thought was fantastic. That was a great piece of television. But again, like the overarching story of of okay she has these powers and here's the problem she has to solve by the end of the series isn't really clear and like you said they just kind of i think to me and it's kind of i kind of call it the age of ultron problem you don't know what the puzzle is that you're trying to solve during the finale yeah because there were these it was unclear what the stakes were it was unclear what what I what the outcome was saying, and they I, failed I, I, and i understand what you're saying and i and i don't want to derail the whole talk the whole show here but you thought that Age of Ultron was convoluted at the end? Yeah. No, he was because trying thought... to drop a country on the Earth to kill everyone. No, no, for sure. That's the easy part. How they solved that problem wasn't, though. Because it was like, Iron Man had to do something from the top. Thor has to do something from the bottom. And everyone... Just the, I mean, the electrical was... group. Never mind. So, sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I walked so right I into a... that one because I was saying, <laughs> "Yeah, you did, Mark. buddy. <laughs> Welcome back. I've missed you." <laughs> Anywho, speaking of this walking, this is still into cleaner certain... humor than what I put up with on the bleeding edge. Uh, there's there's an arch of subtlety that is <laughs> but missing anyway. your friends over there. But like, uh, there's, there's not a clear objective on what it is. And I mean, even going back, and I mean, on some level, like they even use damage control in some clever ways. Like I think the couple mm -hmm. of scenes where they interact with the with the people within the mosque is kind of funny where, where they kind of walk in well, and, and everyone, and everyone the holds up their like, ID oh, cards. Oh shit, of course. Okay, yeah, I, I love it. It's like, we know what's going on here. And then the I, one guy had the cookies. They're like, we knew where you're coming. We made cookies. That was here, great. Here's something, and, and, and I don't mean to go all cap shield on this, but bear with me for just a moment. Civil War establishes the Superhero Registration Act, or whatever it's called in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Sokovia, Sokovia Courts. The Sokovia Courts, which is everyone you know has to register as a superhero and be an agent of Shield, or you're an outlaw. And then the UN, and then the UN will send you all. You know, will send you off to do missions, and that's it. You cannot act of your own volition anymore. That's Civil War. I never got a clear understanding of the Soko of whether or not the Sokovia Courts were done away with after. Yeah. Um, after Infinity mm -hmm. War, like I, I, I got, I thought they were done away with. Maybe not. Maybe they just weren't being enforced. 
but at, certainly ever since Endgame, it never gets addressed again. Yeah. More to the point, when Damage Control first shows up at some point, it might have been Spider-Man, I yeah. thought in the comic book, it's just a construction company. It is superheroes, you know, Thor fights the Wrecking Crew and knocks a building down. Damage Control puts the building back up. They're they're and in Spider-Man <clears throat> Homecoming, they established that damage control was part government, part Tony Stark, mm. which was basically Stark Industries covering their asses after the uh, destruction, yeah. which I, I would never blame which Tony again? for. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. What made me think it was, you know, it was recover any magical items or cosmic items and put the building back up again. So we're still a construction company. This is acting like it's I'll, I'll let you comment on this, Andrew. But this is operating as if it's shield. But it's shield under the direction of the Sokovia Accords to fetch unlicensed supers, which isn't addressed in any other show or movie that I'm aware of. And I'm like, again, you drop something in the show and didn't explain what it is or what it was or why it functions the way that it does. So you have this woman running around obsessed with supers for no good reason and no, you know, it, it's almost like. You've seen every other movie where the superheroes blew up the planet. You get it, right? No. Tell your story in the show you're doing. Don't depend on me to go back and try to remember what the fuck I saw in the last thing I saw. I don't remember, Andrew. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, again, kind of going to the whole thing from the, the our whole conversation from the beginning of the, um, the podcast, there's too many bloody factions going on right now. Mm -hmm. Like you have... And, and I think, you know, I think probably the thing I should address beforehand is that I think you're right. There's a lot of world building here that I think needs to be talked about a little bit. So I think yes. we talked about it with Falcon and Winter Soldier and the whole conflict within that show where they didn't make it crystal clear about that entire conflict of people going away, coming back, the immigrant population, things along that line. And right. here they're not, they've never really made it clear what is the status of the Sokovia Accords and who right. deals with it. I mean, I think, you know, if I was looking at this in retrospect, I'd say you make, going even back to Spider-Man um, No Way Home, when he, he gets hauled in by the cops, those aren't the cops. Those are, that's S.W.O.R.D. Or damage S.W.O.R.D. control, whatever, whatever agency is in control of corralling unlicensed superheroes. Yes, yeah. and just make that, make that a point of world-building consistency. Yes. Because I think, again, you, you go back and you look at, um, you know, phase one. You had that real consistency of Shield going all the way through there, whether it be uh, the uh, you know Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury or you know um, Clark Motherfucking Greg playing Agent Coulson. <laughs> I do wonder, Alexis. I'm going to posit this to you. Um, I'm going to throw it in the bed with you, see if you sleep with it. Um, I'm wondering if what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me have my phrases. Um, I'm wondering if the Marvel Cinematic Universe with its split over feature and uh, Disney Plus show has gotten too unwieldy. And while you had Kevin Feige, who had a strict Bible and a, and, a, and, a, and a clear vision of what the future was going to look like with some variation, depending on which director he was working with, I'm wondering if they've, they're not communicating as well as they used to. There isn't as clear enough a vision and there's no, and even Kevin Feige, who's still at the head of this thing, isn't controlling and corralling and getting the um you know getting all the cats together like he once was uh, can i jump in uh, for... I was, well, sorry andrew you know what go ahead go ahead jump in real quick sorry i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw something out there just because i've kind of heard of these stories and and i want to address the whole kind of the way marvel does it 
because they're kind of the guys that look like they have a plan, but they actually don't necessarily. Like, they didn't really choose Loki as the villain for the Avengers until Thor came out because they mm-hmm. saw how much that kind of took up. Took up um, well, I like think that. it was also based on the fact that the original Avengers comic, Thor, uh, Loki was the villain. They oh, no, probably that... had a backup plan if uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki had not gotten the positive results that they yeah. wanted. But when they saw how much the fans adored him, they're like, uh, yes, put him in the front, move it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like there's been other stuff like apparently, again, going back to Age of Ultron, like when when he who shall not be named was given the script to work on that, like he didn't have any other notes. He didn't know that Civil War was coming next. He didn't know that um, some of the things that happened immediately beforehand. They didn't tell Touchy Feely that um, that uh, what was coming really. No. Wow. That that runs counter to everything I've heard about Marvel. It's interesting that you brought that up. Well, that's one of the interesting things. So like he didn't have a lot of that information. So when you look mm-hmm. at that and when you look at whenever I rewatch that movie, it's like, there's a couple of scenes where it's like, I kind of wish they'd adjust, adjusted the tone and some of the dialogue mm-hmm. to create more tension going down that path towards civil war. Yeah. Um, and then once, um, even when you get into guardians of the galaxy, they kind of played around with the idea and they'd alluded to it in Thor, but James Gunn was the guy who basically built out which infinity stone was, which Mm-hmm. They said, okay, this thing's got to be the Power Stone. And it's like, oh, okay, the Power Stone. And so it's a, it's a little bit more on the fly than I think a lot of people um, kind of assume I hate it to say is, it. So. Do you think Mr. Separate the Art from the Artist actually knew that that was the Mind Stone inside of Loki's staff? No, um, I'm sure that was an invention out of whole cloth down the line. Yeah. It, needed to find, it needed to be somewhere, and it needed to be somewhere that yeah. had already been established. Like, here, I was desperate for a, I, I was desperate for a way to jump in with my own nickname. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I apologize for interrupting. Alexis, please go ahead. Yeah, no, it's fine. There's never a bad time to make fun of that guy. Um, this is also something that we talked about. Mr. Scratch and Sniff? Mr. Touch and Feel? Mr. Pinch and Squeal? Mr. Thank you for Buffy and Firefly. Now go away. And Angel. Get him. <laughs> I, was, I didn't get into Angel. Angel was awesome. I Oh my I, god. I like, uh, sorry. <laughs> I have, We're 90s I nerds, okay? I have a lot of his stuff on my shelf, which I kind of feel guilty about before. That's all I have to say. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. I called him Mr. Separate the Art from the Artist. Yeah. It is it is absolutely okay to have Kinsey's books on your shelf and not worship the Kinsey. Mr. Tilby It's perfectly fine to have the Blu-ray of Usual Suspects. Yep, damn right it is. Yeah, that's my favorite go-to when people talk about separating the art from the artist, because I'll be damned if I ever give that movie up. I love that movie. So we were talking about the confusion that is Marvel. Yes, I know. We were talking about the ownership of the shield. I think one of the problems, again, we talked about this with Lightyear, is that I think we're seeing a lot more evidence of Disney pushing things forward more than I think Ken Fiege wanted to. I think more. I we we talked briefly about this before about how Disney. It's clear it becomes more obvious for certain properties like with Pixar and such when it's Disney saying we want more money, push this, as opposed to we have a story to tell. When we talked about the difference between Lightyear and Soul, talked about the difference between Toy Story Four and Inside Out or Coco, and I think we're seeing that a lot here. I'm going to be perfectly frank. I think that now that we have Disney Plus, which I am not arguing against, I adore Disney Plus. It's on all the time in my office while I'm working. 
but it's clear that Disney has realized they are making a fortune off of these Marvel properties that are streaming directly to them and they don't want it to stop. How many shows have been announced from just go I mean for God's sake we're getting an echo show you know nothing against the character nothing against the actress in Hawkeye she was great but who was demanding an echo show you know um I want to round this back to the Ms Marvel show the the criticism that we had earlier was it's a little too disconnected from the greater Marvel universe but that has also been the pattern um, yes, things are connecting to other movies, but what in the hell did Moon Knight connect to? Not nothing that I'm aware of. But that was also a problem that we talked about with Moon Knight, also on the bleeding edge. The fact that you have these gods and you're sitting there going, Okay, so the Eternals gave an excuse why they didn't, you know, mess around with Thanos and the blip and everything. Uh, Kunshu, you got an excuse? Kunshu, Kunshu, I I don't Conjure. know how to pronounce. Thank you. I don't know. F. Murray Abraham, God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the um, whatever the, the clandestine. In the you know, their their whole uh, plan to bop the man was they wanted to go home. I I'm I'm just a simple bird lawyer, and I don't think I'm a dumb person, but I couldn't follow why their ability to go home was going to destroy the earth which is the way it was presented but they did kind of a piss poor job of explaining that like they I, was want- I, I, I was getting kind of a shao khan outworld will merge yeah. with earth kind of thing but yeah, even okay. that was loose look if the three of us who all went to college and are fairly literate individuals are like i can't figure out the dumb marvel show i'm gonna go ahead and say there's a problem with the writing here that they got the cultural aesthetic down and boy was that like goal number one we have a show we want this to be all india india pakistan cultural aesthetic nailed it we have the teen show we want this to be relatable to you know to kids we want them to see themselves here and have that power fantasy nailed it we want I even to have... give credit to the fact that this was a show that opened a lot of people's eyes about the partition of India. Mark, yes. you and I talked before about certain shows that pop up with little history bits that yeah, are you're not talking about Watchmen. About... Just call, yeah, call, we'll call it you... by its name. Yeah, well, yeah, we, yeah, we, we talked about Watchmen and the Tulsa race riots. We discussed right. about how it's like, why is this not talked about in school? And I'm going to be blunt. Partition of India was not taught in uh, history classes oh, when okay. I was a kid. I okay. had heard on, of it Cap- very briefly. I, you happen, I don't know if you know this. But Andrew Graham went to university, and uh, he can tell you university. he went to university, and he can tell you all about the history of all the things. Um, but more specifically, how in how England done fucked up the modern world after World <laughs> War One, just kind of got drunk on <laughs> ale and ate fish, and was like, "I gotta draw a line here." What are you calling it? Algeria. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, sorry. That, yeah, I, I, I went to college too. But again, mm-hmm. that was not taught, at oh, least no. not in my schools. Spit we'll some rhymes from courses too. Andrew Graham spit some rhymes on how England ruined the world. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the extent that, that, that England ru- ruined the world. They definitely screwed up this part of the world, though. So basically, mm-hmm. yeah, so England had British India. 
which was India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. And basically after the end of the Second World War, um, British Empire was falling apart. I mean, we've all seen the crown. <laughs> we kind of get an idea on where it was. Mm-hmm. I think Mountbatten was actually the, the governor there, but they assigned some poor British officer. Basically, he had six months to read, redraw borders between these three countries. It was after two or was that after one, though? I thought it was after, after one. Because it was 1947. Okay, because I thought it was after one where they where they redrew all the boundaries and screwed Africa up and yeah, that was that was okay. Middle East and Africa Africa after one, they screwed up Asia after two. Fair enough. Moving on, not inaccurate. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, and basically what ended up happening, and I'm not going to lie, probably a lot of what I know about partition actually comes from a really excellent episode of uh, Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown, where he actually talks about on the border and stuff like that. So basically. Because this border was drawn so haphazardly and because a lot of these people between Hindus and Muslims were already kind of integrated and living in mixed villages, there's a giant population shift at this time. People were crossing borders. There was a lot of, uh, for lack, we'll call it kind of sectarian violence. So a lot of people died during it and and it's kind of a a cultural touchstone and they talk about it. and, 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 you know, I thought one of the nice touches that they have is that they not only have a Muslim community, but they have a Muslim community of various nationalities as well. So the, the brother's fiance is African. Uh, Nakia, her best friend, I think the actress is Lebanese, but I think the character is Turkish. And again, depending where you go in, in, in various places, like you get mixed Muslim communities of like, you know, uh, various Arab countries, South Asian, African, things like that. So I liked I, I like the fact that much like Watchmen that Alexis brought up, you have this little bit of world history that as Americans, being American Americans, we don't necessarily know a lot about or talk about, but the shell dealt directly with. And this was obviously a big part of the uh, Indian Pakistani cultural heritage and history. And it gets addressed and it gets and I think it gets got I mean, I'm not, not an expert, but I thought and kind of watching my wife react to it, who has talked to people whose families went through partition the way like my family went through the Holocaust and all of that. And we're able to say uh, the stories we told through oral tradition, through our parents and grandparents, we know X, Y, Z happened. They seem to have thought the show handled it deftly enough. But what I was trying to say was all of those things work well. What doesn't work in the show at all is the plot. Yeah, it's it, it is the weakest mm-hmm. writing and almost indicative now of the state Marvel is in where Marvel can give you Marvel used to have some fairly solid stake in terms of solid plots and motivated villains. Their villains were a little one dimensional. We, you know, the Marvel problem, as we've been chronicling for years. But the narrative worked. Everybody had a clear goal. Malekith wanted to do a thing. Thanos wanted to do a thing. Loki wanted to do a thing. And the thing, you know, Ultron wanted to do a thing. And they were all fairly clear on what those things were and why and, and how the heroes were going to stop it. This one is an ungodly convoluted mess. And then it, it ends in this finale where everyone's trying to kill the poor kid. And Ms. Marvel has to defend the kid. Simple enough, but not a strong payoff like the strong payoff was episode five not six yeah. mm-hmm. and then like um i can't remember the 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 character's name but the i know who you're talking about 
Um, mm. But then he's kind of a threat during the thing as well. Like again, they didn't, they just didn't do, they didn't do a good job establishing the stakes. I knew, I thought it was going to be, I mean, it's cliche, but I thought they were setting up for him and it's Comron you guys are talking about. Comron, thank uh, you. To uh, become the new villain that, you know, he was going to lose control with his powers. He gives that whole, they'll never accept a speech. And again, it's cliche as hell, but it was setting him in the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We're just about at an hour here. Alexis, I'm going to give you last licks and final words. Anything left unsaid, burning desires, etc. It kills me that this is not a bad show for being, if you consider it completely self-contained. But for part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it is a letdown. And I hate saying that because this was a show that got review bombed by angry people on Twitter when it first came out. Which is annoying because, like, the first three episodes are the best, I would say, in the whole series when we're first can getting I, introduced to Kamala. Can I ask you that about that? Is that is, is, are they review bombing it because they feel like this is yet another um, agenda character that's being forced on uh, comic book fans? Or, in other words, you're you're, you're sitting there and you're a big time comic collector since you know the early 80s you know you're you're a contemporary of somebody my age and you you like you know your characters you like your characters you want to see movies and tv shows of those characters and marvel says yeah we're not really interested in what you like fatso we uh we we're gonna give you these characters over here and them going give me what i want or i will throw a giant internet tantrum or is it something else? Like, where is it at? The fact is that we don't know if it is people who just want to see more white males or I think to be if they're fair, trolls. I think to be fair, it might only just be they want to see the characters that they like. You know, look, if we got eight seasons of The Punisher, nobody complains. <laughs> like, you know, if they... Except for all the gun-toting nutjobs who suddenly realize that, you know what, just because you're carrying around his insignia doesn't mean he would actually stand for what you believe in. Sorry. You good? I feel better. Okay, I'm glad you feel better. You're a good girl. <laughs> um, and, but uh, I, I do... What, what was that? Is it good girl? 37. <laughs> I, I, Andrew, you're a nice boy. <laughs> see how he doesn't argue with me he, he's behaved behave um no andrew I, how old are you again uh just turned 39 okay so i i think what i'm what i'm getting at is i'm wondering how much of the anger towards the miss marvel show is the comic fans just not feeling heard feeling like like the company is, is speaking to them and they're the ones buying the shit which is a legitimate complaint andrew if you're you know if you're traipsing into in and out of the comic book store putting down your hard-earned money and then you don't feel like the company is listening to you but they are listening to people who aren't spending the money in there and not and aren't going to the films but you know they're on twitter making a fuss i can i'll stand up for them in this sense i can see why i mean i don't think review bombing the show is the way to do it but when you don't feel like you're heard and you feel um, disassociated from the, the cultural conversation, you're going to find places to throw tantrums and Rotten Tomatoes is as good a place as any. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think I've ever been driven by something hard enough to go review vomit or anything. No, you have a life and long. children. It's fine. We get that. Oh, yeah. But, no, for, the, exactly. for, the, for the rest of the people. 
No, no, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I've never been driven to that point, so I kind of, I kind of don't understand the impulse of it, especially because, like I said, I said it earlier, like, you know what? People who look like me and, and are of my social standing have a metric fuck ton of stuff Dude, to watch. To some people, this shit's their religion. <laughs> like, they, they go into the comic book store like it's fucking church. Okay. Oh yeah, and and, I mean, like, and, no, and now they're and their God has rejected them. I'd like they're to remind angry. you guys, we have someone on our network who throws a fit whenever we get a non-white straight character in a comic book or movie because he says it's pandering. I don't know who you're talking about. All the people, all the people in our chat are perfectly logical, sound uh, people with who make arguments that uh, have are backed up by facts. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I, I get it and I don't because I think on the one hand, perceptionally, there's this thing where it's like, yeah, there are these changes in the way that things are going on. But realistically, when you look at it from a holistic point of view, no, there's still lots of stuff going towards that way. I mean, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, the Batman just made however much $770 million. <laughs> yep. But uh, I mean, do you want me to just go to kind of my final thoughts on this too, just to move Please. us along here? Yep. I mean... I think, I think we've kind of hit most of it. I mean, like, I found this an incredibly charming series. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I think it... I don't know if I if I rated it as much negatively with it not fitting in as well as well in with the rest of the MCU as much of it being a, an issue unto itself or it being a, a symptom of a greater disease. But, yeah. I mean, I loved watching it. I loved watching it with my kids. Um I loved all the characters. I, you know, I'm looking forward to to the Marvels uh, when that comes out in a couple of years. But yeah, we need to start getting some directions to start pulling some all the various bits of the MCU together. And I mean, we got Comic Con coming up this weekend, so apparently they've got some huge stuff planned for Hall H. So we're going to mm -hmm. see what's going to happen there. I think my my fear is, I know what the movie slate looks like. The movie slate for next for the movie slate for the next couple of movies is Black Panther 2, Ant-Man 3. They yeah. haven't... Well, Black Panther 2, unfortunately, they are keeping that so hidden. Mm -hmm. It's only through uh, crew t-shirts we've actually gotten our first look at Ironheart. And there's another character they're introducing who's going to have a major part with the Armor Wars series that's, that they're doing. Right. Yep. And it's also going to... That, and that's another one where people are pissed off because everyone was happy with iron man the way he was and not a black female so you know heaven forbid robert downey jr wants to go do something else no he has to be iron man forever the other one i heard was apparently the um i can't remember her name now the actress who played uh the inquisitor on obi-wan apparently is going to be announced as a character as part of black panther 2 and apparently she was great the rumor is going to be a Aurora. As storm. in storm. Oh As wow. In storm. Uh you know what? If that's the case, I'm fine with it. Again, she but was again, a now we have another new faction. We have mutants now to worry about. <laughs> and these so, humans are back. <laughs> yes, and the yeah, Black Bolt, I think, wait, is gonna be in something coming up. Wait till the day they announce who's gonna take over the role of Wolverine, and I swear to God, it's just gonna be like you're you're going to see explosions from space. Guys in the space shuttle are just gonna see all these little poof, all over the place is like, what the hell's going on? Hugh Jackman's been replaced. Oh, I, I, I hope he gets replaced with Channing Tatum. Okay, Jean. Um, <laughs> couldn't resist, could you, Mark? Not in the least bit. So here, I'm going to share this, and then we'll and then we'll get out of here. Um, the slate of movies off the top of my head: Black Panther, 
Quantum Man, Ant Man three, uh, the Marvels, and uh, I F4. think the, yeah, and Fantastic Four. That Fantastic Four doesn't have a date yet, but I'm fairly certain. Um, if they don't announce the cast this weekend, I it's just getting annoying. It's like, oh my god, why have you not announced the cast yet? So, why? <clears throat> and then the other two are Deadpool three and Blade, which are uh, also supposed to be getting announcements this weekend. That's the slate of movies in 2023 and 2024 coming up. You notice there's no <clears throat> there's no team event picture in there. There's no there's no Secret Wars. There's no Avengers five. There's no New Warriors. There's no New Avengers. There's no Secret Avengers. There's no Sweet Sixteen. No My Little Pony. No nothing. <clears throat> Where that stuff is located is on Disney Plus. You're getting Armor Wars, Secret Invasion, and I think there was another one that they announced, which tells me. They're saving all the event stuff. I think, like, I've even heard a rumor that there's like a four-part World War Hulk coming. That was on, uh, that's one of the rumors on what's going to yeah. get announced this weekend, and that's on Disney Plus. And I, Andrew, don't know if I'm comfortable with the idea of we're going to have all of these features in theater of these individual characters. And here's what I'm I'm talking about. The 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 buzz was Doctor Strange was your Avengers picture for this year. Next year it's Ant Man, you know, Quantum Mania, and that's going to deal with Kang and all the time travel stuff. Okay, I know that because I read, but that that's not made particularly clear. And I don't know about you, but Doctor Strange didn't feel like the Avengers to me. And I yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't think Ant Man's going to feel like the Avengers. Uh, I love it so, too. I'm re- I'm still excited about Jonathan Majors. Great. Yep. I, the, the the Avengers was the Avengers. Is my point. We we were we were building towards a big finale of you know it's WrestleMania. You build up all year to get to this one place where everything kind of comes together and begins anew. And you're saying that you're doing that, but you're doing that in these individual pictures, which is not what you were doing before. And then you're having all of these big storyline things like like Armor Wars and Secret Invasion, and you're saving it for Disney Plus, and it just feels like Andrew they're they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Same, yeah. Avengers so big. I, look what I bought. I don't. Oh right, I remember that you saw that the Shakespeare. Yeah the the four Avengers movies as written by William Shakespeare. Nice. Okay, I'm gonna have to go get a copy of that. This guy but, also wrote the Star all the Star Wars movies as are written by Shakespeare. I think I actually have some of those on the shelf, and I've never actually read them before. Yeah, no, um, I love this guy's work. He's hilarious. Yeah, it's it, he knows how to keep it very tongue in cheek. I will say, I think the end point is what we're missing right now. Like, I want to know where where four ends and where it begins. Because if they want to say, "Oh, hey, you know." November or we'll call it whatever July 2023 Fantastic Four ends phase four then I'm like okay that works as long as they they kind of still build towards it but again it's like it it just feels like it's not building towards anything right now so there's not the end so you can't tell where you are in the journey yeah and right now again you just don't have those threads to pull together and again there were there were opportunities to do this like why did you have to introduce the red daggers why didn't you make it the ten rings yeah and then connect it back to Shang-Chi. So we um, did nothing else. I know Kang the Conqueror is going to get introduced, but we really need some groundwork for who the big bang, the big uh, baddie is. Well, that was the thing, like talking about missed opportunities, instead of having, you know, he who shall not be named or he without the nose or whatever the hell they call Jonathan Majors at the end of Loki, 
why didn't they just do Kang? Like, get it over with. You know, he gets, you know, Kang, what that, there were, there was a, a very simple rewrite of that scene. I am Kang the Conqueror and I have conquered the timeline, but we're going to fuck it all up. Damn you, Loki, in your eyes. And then in Quantum Mania, he gets his revenge. I mean, it's not that hard. I was you know? fine with it personally, but I think that was just because I like seeing Jonathan Majors play that very loose. I'm but- not speaking to his performance. I'm speaking to they they made a conscious decision to not make it Kang and that they they made it more convoluted than it had to be. There's still rumors based on some uh, leaked concept art that Doctor Doom may be appearing in uh, Wakanda Forever, which I swear to God, if I predicted that they're doing the Two Kings storyline, I'm going to be very proud of myself. I've heard a couple of different rumors about Black Panther. I've heard it's Namor. I've heard it's Doctor Doom. Namor is appearing. Yeah, They've confirmed. Oh, there's a big thing because Namor apparently now they've moved Atlantis to uh, like a Mediterranean. Yeah. Oh, and that, oh, and by the way, as of Thor, we now have the Greek gods to deal with. Yeah. And and uh, a Wonder Man. Yes. Henry Golding is apparently. Sorry, Nathan Fillion. Another role you don't get. Henry Golding is apparently going to play <laughs> Wonder Man if the rumors yeah. are true. Have I mentioned well, that Marvel mm-hmm. feels a little unwieldy right now? Yeah, but I mean, like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. You don't even know who Black Panther is going to be at this point. Like, I think that's really the hundred fifty million dollar. But why haven't they announced it and confirmed everybody off? Yeah, Letitia Wright couldn't keep her mouth shut about vaccinations or anything like any number of things. Amazing how being it is amazing how being an anti-vaxxer in this country has ruined people's careers. Like, you know, it's one thing when Gina Carano can't keep her fucking mouth shut. But when <laughs> when Letitia Wright doesn't know any better, yikes. And I feel like that's the last thing I want to say about Ms. Marvel. Letitia Wright, shut up. Um. <laughs> I'm going to have one other quick thing. I'm sure. watching parts of the series, and man, this is what, probably one of the best shot series that Marvel's had in a while. Like, yeah. it was actually shot on location. It, it doesn't have that kind of kind of the flat lighting that we're kind of used to in Marvel at this point. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think we're finally starting to get, you know, get them to have some cinematographers who really know how to work around this world with special effects and things like that. So that's, that's my other. I'll, get, I'll give you that, especially since so many of the Marvel properties are shot so much on green screen. We talked with Loki yeah. and how amazing it is that they did like that one shot. That's entirely green screen, but they made it look like one continuous shot, but it is really hard to get decent directors who are willing to shoot on location. Like, you know, we, we bitched about Eternals, but, uh, you know, Chloe's out shot on a t- location, and that's still one of the most beautiful looking Marvel movies we've ever had. Yeah, as much as you and I got in a fist fight over Eternals, and I think both of us agreed it was a beautifully shot film. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed right, it. Too many bits and pieces. <laughs> all right. Oh, uh, Eternals is the best Marvel movie ever. Let's move on. Um... And we're all about <laughs> to get emails from you know who. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Chris Bailey. Chris Bailey. Chris Bailey. <laughs> Mwah. Oh, was Love that you know who? I thought we were talking about someone else. <laughs> He's just mad he lives in half a time zone. <laughs> that's canadian humor i don't get <laughs> speaking, speaking of canadian humor i don't get here's what's going on this week on the rattle and broadcasting network um i had a big old crying fest on sunday uh myself by the way did you listen finish listening to the corner review andrew not yet i think i'm only about 20 minutes in oh, okay um I, that you might you may or may not have gotten into my first breakdown but um <laughs> i had quite a few as we reviewed uh we went from the corner to the deuce Specifically, the corner, uh, the HBO miniseries reviewed that on Sunday. Jesse and I had a great conversation about it. 
gotten some feedback from some friends because I it got very personal with me, and I've I've received some interesting feedback on. So I'll be curious to see what you think, Andrew. But uh, it is a deeply meaningful show to me, and something that resonates with my soul. So uh, that all came out on that. Less so was our Monday show. It was the last one with Sean and I for a while. Uh, we reviewed Studio Six Six Six, Tenacity, and The Pick of Destiny, and Detroit Rock City. Uh, we had a fun little conversation about music movies. Give it a listen. Um, myself, Jason Teasley, and Robert Winfrey reviewed Where the Crawdads Sings. We had a good conversation about uh, the proper way to shoot a uh, the proper way to shoot a bad sex scene and the proper way to shoot a rape scene because that's what we talk about on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network: bad sex and rape. Um, speaking of bad sex and rape, you just heard on Ms. Marvel show. And then uh, this week coming up, we've got a bunch of re-airs because I will be on vacation in sunny Cleveland. Um, Saturday, we'll be re-airing our four-part uh, review documentary of the Michael Pollan show, Cooked, on Netflix. We have our two-part Highlander series. Hey, Andrew Graham, remember, remember when we talked about the Highlander? I don't think I was on that one actually. I think that no, was you. you. I don't think you were on it, but I know you heard it. I do remember that one. Yes. Okay. You remember the best performance of a uh, of a Egyptian Scottish Spaniard, apparently. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> uh, so we'll re-air both the the two parts that we did on uh, all four Highlander movies on the twenty fourth and the twenty fifth. Um, hey, Andrew Graham, remember remember the time. Robert Winfrey and I reviewed Pan, and we loved it, especially the chanting of Smells Like Teen Spirit. I remember he didn't like that one because he hates all things Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so our re-airing of our review of Pan that Robert and I tore to shreds, well, that was a fun show. And anytime Robert and I get to just hate something, it's always a fun listen. I'm not going to um, lie, you get a kick out of that scene. Hey, Alexis. Remember the time we invited you to talk Harry Potter and you wouldn't leave? Do you remember? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, I know a certain somebody who regrets saying, hey, I know somebody who knows the Harry Potter books inside and out. <laughs> so all four parts of our Harry Potter review will air the, the remainder of the week. That is the 27th, 28th, 29th, and the 30th. And then you put up with me just saying, um, actually, because I swear to God, that was the only reason I was on that show. <laughs> Um, and we've loved you ever since. Anyway, um, with Prey coming out on August 5th, we are re-airing some of our old Predator shows. We have a long road to ruin for the first two Predator movies, and then the on-trial for the movie Predators. And then we are live once again. It'll be myself, Robert Winfrey, and Alexis Haina talking League of Super Pets on August 2nd. And then the three Why wise did I agree men. To review that. <laughs> and then the three wise men, myself, Robert Winfrey, and Jesse Starcher, will be review reviewing in vascular detail The Boy season three. And then finally, 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 Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey. Uh, we are back on the Metal Hammer of Doom with the final album from Lordiversity, Master Beast from the Moon. That's what's going on on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. What is going on on the Alexis Haina and broadcasting creations of jewelry? Yes, my company, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. Write it down, Mark. I've got it, geeks and chics. 
So we just returned from two conventions in Texas. We worked the Greater Austin Comic Con and Comic Palooza in Houston. We had a great time down there. Surprised we didn't burst into flames every time we stepped out of our car. But we're back up in the Midwest. And next weekend, we are going to be here in Kansas City for the Fountain City Mini Con. This is a small local event, but we're always there. We love being part of it. We're getting ready for the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con coming up in August and Cincinnati Comic Expo in September. Those are two very big, very important shows we're looking forward to. As always, our shops are fully stocked. Actually, that's a lie because I need to stock up a few things. We have some new products coming. In honor of the uh, season finale of Stranger Things, we have a new Hellfire Club set, including a matching necklace and earrings. We are redesigning our Stranger Things charm bracelet, so be on the lookout for those. We have a couple of new pieces coming in as well. We have a new piece inspired by Neil Gaiman's... Uh, uh, Sandman series. I'm sorry, the synapses in my brain stopped working there for a second. So as soon as I find free time, God help me to take pictures, we will get those new products online. In the meantime, all of your other favorites are fully stocked, including our Ms. Marvel earrings. We have a lot of fun making these products. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. That is Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. Andrew Graham, take me home, baby doll. Will do, Mark. Uh, so I uh, I will just talk about a little bit about my martial arts. So I train at Havoc and Esteem uh, Martial Arts here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I have a very special thing to talk about uh, this week, actually. So there will you be a... You actually do say death... a boot. <laughs> did I just say a boot? You did. Oh, God damn it. I hate when I do that. Anyway. All right. So sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You did it so early. Hey, hey, Andrew. Your Canadian showing. <laughs> Glad it is, but anyway. <laughs> Zip. You're going to keep a play extra for that. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and I'm probably turning red at this point. Okay. Proper plug now. Okay, excellent. So there's a special guest instructor coming on uh, both this Friday the 22nd and then Monday the 24th from 7 to 9. And that is... Uh, Coach Harry Smith, so son of uh, the British Bulldog, is coming to oh, shit, really? give two catch wrestling seminars at uh, at uh, Havoc and Esteem Martial Arts. Uh, those can be found on Facebook. I believe uh, cost for non-members is twenty dollars per session or thirty dollars for both, which is absolutely fantastic. I've had a chance to uh, to uh, train with Coach Harry on a few occasions, and he is a both a wonderful guy and a fantastic technician. Also, if you ever want to know what it feels like to wrestle a washing machine, pummeling with the, this guy will give you a really good idea of that. But absolutely cannot miss. There you go, Mark. Wait, are we talking about like wrestling, like grappling from the front, grappling from the top, or trying to lift? Uh, like doing, there's like a, basically like uh, a motion. Mark was kind of doing it where you kind of swim swim your arms through. You got to get underhooks. Kind of you got to get underhooks. Yeah, you get your underhooks, exactly. But anyway, the, trying to wrestle with a guy is like wrestling with a refrigerator or, or some other large household appliance. But uh, wonderful instructor, great guy. <laughs> really can't miss experience if you are in the Calgary area. So uh, please go go ahead, check out uh, Steam and Havoc Martial Arts on all your major social media platforms, uh, including they now have TikTok. So go, go give that a look. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us here on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network and our review of Ms. Mavelle. For Alexis Hanna, for Andrew Graham, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.